and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Fight Club, directed by David Fincher, starring Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? The first rule of Fight Club is that you're not supposed to talk about this podcast, Cameron. I'm good. I'm doing pretty good. It's It's been a busy Monday. Overall, solid. I'm I'm feeling angry against the system ready to throw fists <laughs> ready to ready to rage against the yeah machine. blast some of that you know this movie coincides with me watching um some historical events actually just to jump into what we're watching um i watched a documentary on netflix called woodstock 99 do you know anything about woodstock 99 Yes, I do. Yeah, I I knew nothing about it besides the fact that Woodstock was a mess in the 60s or something like that. Uh, you know, they hired the Hells Angels to be security. And so uh, <laughs> I saw <laughs> I saw this documentary and I was hanging out with my father-in-law who's really into music history and we we're like and I was like, "Why not? I'm just going to put this on." We ended up watching most of all of the three-part series and I don't think it's an excellent documentary by any means, but uh Really interesting to see people's anger, uh, the pop culture and music in 1999, and then watch this movie. Uh, it's just like, I feel like I was, I had a little time traveling trip uh, this last week, Cameron. But well, this, this also came out in 99. I know, so, I know. You know yeah, yeah it, is... it felt very timely. It was like accidental that I, I learned. I, I feel like I just got the fire hose dose of 1999, so... Uh, yeah a world a yeah, world I, before I 9-11 like, you know it's it, right yeah. exactly i was totally gonna bring that up too because i think honestly i think that kind of plays a big role in in this movie in a lot of ways i guess but um uh yeah no that's that's interesting that you this that well, both of those things seem like they they sort of capture the attitude of the era and i think fight club especially um definitely captures something and i think i think you could throw in the matrix on there too yeah um as sort of capturing um a certain uh angst of of the time which is is definitely kind of interesting but, yeah I, I think the um, the highlight performance in 99 was limp biscuit which i feel like you know to be honest i don't know much of his discography but uh the documentary captured a lot about what he's remembered for and I know some 90s kids and they actually kind of act like that, which is weird. I, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what happened, but, you know, it's just one of those days, you know. So, yeah, yeah. it's uh, <laughs> that it, the, the part of the documentary about him riling up the crowd is, is pretty, pretty wild. Um, I just I, you know, they did this section on the sound guys who are like way out in the sea of people. And they described it as being overrun like World War Z, basically, <laughs> is what happened to them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you're interested to see a concert go wrong and turn into a third world country on American soil, you know, that, that's where you go to find the info. But Cameron, what have you been watching this week? Um, well, I guess sort of in preparation, I, I have been trying to sort of catch up on movies that I haven't seen of Fincher's. Um, now, I think the only two that I have left are Alien 3 and uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And then I think I've seen his full filmography. Um, so I watched The Game this week um, with Michael Douglas. And it's really good. It's a it's a great little um, 
sort of thriller. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, and weirdly, a very upbeat movie for for Fincher. Um, and it it sort of concludes, you know, no spoilers, obviously, but it concludes in a much uh, more positive place than um, than most of Fincher's movies. Uh, so uh, yeah, I found I found that pretty entertaining. Um, yeah, but I I'm looking forward to. I think we'll watch Girl with the Dragon Tattoo um, later on in in this sort of series that we're doing. But um, I am probably gonna watch try to watch Alien Three some point. Um, coming up here but yeah so i watched that and then in also in preparation for next week uh, which is what we're gonna watch i watched panic room um which is excellent and we'll talk about it next week very good very good i don't think i really watched anything else of note so oh i started um i started the, the show station 11 oh i don't know if you've heard of this um it's on hbo i'm like I'm met on it so far. Okay. Uh, but I might keep going. I, I like the, there's, it's kind of like a mystery box sort of situation. There. Mm. Um, and so I, I like some of that, uh, but some of it I think is maybe annoying me a little bit. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I don't know if I'm going to give up on it yet. We'll see. It's hard with those series, man. They just go on and on and on. So I don't, I don't blame you if you bail. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, uh, I, <laughs> I haven't been super interested in TV in comparison to where I was a few months ago talking about exploration of TV. But nevertheless, this is Cinema Spectator. You can support us at Patreon.com/slash/ECFSProductions. Throw up a dollar our way, get exclusive content, have the ability to write in questions on the show. And a bunch of other stuff. You can check it out there. Uh, if you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. You can give us a rating, share the show. All that stuff helps the show grow. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you listening to our small production. We enjoy doing it. Uh, Cameron and I have been friends for a long time, so it's always good to catch up every week. And, you know, I'm proud, Cameron. I'm proud of us. We we have not lost the consistency despite how chaotic our lives have been. So uh, thank God for the internet and... I appreciate you being able to work with me doing doing this show, and I'm not saying that for any random drama. I'm just, uh, it's just it's just coming up because I don't know. I'm just feeling appreciative of you, man. No, I, yeah, I I feel like I honestly I just love doing it. So I love talking about movies with you. Um, it's fun, and I enjoy. I I actually really like in, like exploring sort of. Um, movies that I've seen before and and talking about them and getting a deep deeper respect for them or disrespect for them uh, along with you and I think um, yeah it's no it's it's a lot of fun and I I I love doing it so I definitely feel like the second year or now that we've passed episode 100 right of this podcast like we've definitely waned more into like classic well-known kind of like powerhouse blockbuster movies that I just didn't have on the radar. The first year was a lot of exposure into uh, genres I haven't given a chance. Like it's been a while since we've done anything black and white, Cameron. So it it has. It's, it's it has. I think I'm sure there's a pool of movies over there that I still need to watch. But it was interesting how I developed like an appreciation for black and white movies. And I think the pool of those films that hold up today is actually not as big as a lot of like like you know, movie lovers like to admit, I mean, you watch a movie like Casablanca and it's just like, 
this is surprisingly like still relevant and impactful um, compared to some of the other black and white movies where it's like, this feels like generations away, you know? Um, so I don't know. Like I, I, I've been really appreciating watching a lot of more modern movies, but I, I have this, I have this itch that we might have to you're, go. You're asking to go back. We, we might have to explore some, <laughs> some treacherous ground, especially because Fincher just seems like one of those directors that, uh, is becoming the Edgar Wright of the '90s in my mind, and so I think I think it's time to 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 dive into um, Fight Club. Cameron, do you want to give us some context? Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, so Fight Club is the technically the fourth uh, feature film of David Fincher. Um, in between Seven and Fight Club, he made The Game, so 1997. Um, so, you know, he's kind of consistent run in terms of, of, you know, his output, but, um, Fight Club came out in 1999. It's based on a book, uh, by, I, I always mess up his last name. It's Chuck Palahniuk, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of, it tells the tales of a, um, I guess you could say a mischievous group of people who are, um, disillusioned with their day-to-day lives um, and sort of uh, the rampant consumerism and a certain amount of, of um, you know, feeling of being tossed aside in, in society um, and who organize in a certain uh, very mischievous way. Um, and it sort of chronicles that, that story along with a lot of different elements uh, thrown in the mix. But I'm trying to be a little bit vague because this, well, okay, so this movie is probably one of the most spoiled movies of all time. It's like, um, you know, it's it's up there with, I would say Seven is kind of one of those very often spoiled movies. It's up there with like uh, Empire Strikes Back and, uh, you know, all these all these other movies. It's like, it's pretty much synonymous with, um, with you know, major spoilers. So, um, you know, I, I for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, which I think is probably pretty low, I think this is a very common movie to watch, especially you know in your in your teenage years, as as I did. But um, for anybody who hasn't seen it, I do think um, there's value in not knowing the the twist, um, not knowing the the sort of whole, uh, you know, maybe last third of the movie um takes on a, a very different sort of shift um narrative wise um so i would say maybe let's stay away from that uh for the first part of what we're talking about but um but otherwise yeah um i mean i don't know like i said it's a very often spoiled movie so well you know i i think the beginning of our conversation can really revolve around some of the thematic elements that aren't veering towards the spoilers because I, this was my first time watching the movie and I knew the big twist. Um, and I think that kind of adjusted my viewing experience. Um, it's interesting to compare that with seven, which I knew nothing about, uh, mm-hmm. and how that movie wowed me. And this movie didn't have any sort of shock value. Instead, it was appreciation of like the, f- the filmmaking but there's also something a little bit more edgy about this movie that kind of transitioned to sort of a cringe with me, a bit, probably because of the times. 
And I think it was interesting talking about seven um, and how you were like, that movie is like, like it's, it's perfect. And I agreed with you and it doesn't weigh its age as heavily as this, this movie does. Um, maybe 99 was just a breaking point. I have no idea. You know, um, <laughs> it's it just people like wanting to scream from the rooftops or something. Right. But yeah, we're, we're going to veer away from spoilers. We are going to get into it. I think what really moved me and brought the most enjoyment out of this movie are some of the kind of deeper seated themes around American masculinity, consumerism, and honestly, like even, even the plot devices around mental health and insomnia, right? Like there, there mm-hmm. are a lot of, there, there's just a bunch of commentary about the, the, the state of people's minds at that time. And sure it's dramatized and it's turned up to 11, especially as you get towards the end with how chaotic it becomes, you know, mm-hmm. but that's not really what resonated with me. It was almost more of the, um, reaction to do something right. Uh, despite the circumstances, despite the character's struggles um, that I found to be kind of an empathetic look into the past. Um, and, and I'm not saying that some of the issues that are discussed in this movie are not um, relevant today because I think people struggle with them in a different way 20 years later, right? Um but you can tell, like, really, and, and we brought that up very early on. This is a pre-9-11 movie, and, and you can see that. Like, the, the embrace of violence as a response in masculinity, like, it's almost worshipped in this movie. And it's not saying that it's right, but it's almost like it's better than being a part of the system, you know? Um, well, I, I don't think so. And I would I would say that the movie is is very much a cautionary uh, tale, sure. Um, in a lot of ways, and so I I don't I don't think even the sort of um, hyper stylization and and the sort of you know it it seems in the moment maybe like it's it's sort of glorifying um, violence or or that like it's glorifying the the communal aspect of of the violence and whatnot. Um, but I think especially towards the end of the movie, um, you know, I think it's it's more commenting on the fact that 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 also leads to, you know, a lot of destruction. Sure. Um, you know, even even though it is it is a movie that's, um, you know, that's against sort of rampant consumerism and, um, you know, the malaise of the workplace and, and sort of um yeah, the gr- the grind of of that kind of thing, um, but but it's also it's also against um, extremism as well, and I think it I think it's really it's a really tight rope that it, that it, the movie walks. Um, but eventually, but culturally, I think that this film it approaches kind of like the the violence and the lead up to the violence in this movie, I think is really well thought out, but there's no reflection on any aftermath. And I think it has to do with the fact that there wasn't a aftermath 
to kind of soak on, right? That generation was 20 years removed ish from Vietnam, right? There wasn't like that traumatic pinpoint um, for a lot of people at that, at that time. And it was stationary stuck in the system. Right. Um, So there's like a rebellious nature, especially towards the, the, the end of the nineties, right. That that's exploding. I love that. I love the music out of that era. I think it's, um, it's fascinating. It's exciting. Um, But Definitely something changed historically with the war on terror and, and I'm not trying to get political, but you can, you can feel it, Cameron. You can tell it's like, it's almost like there, he can only reflect as far as the time and there has, there wasn't sort of that, like, like the, even the movie's ending, right? There's no, there's no real dwelling in the depression and repercussion of violence, you know? And that's sure. and maybe yeah, maybe no, that's not the point of the film, right? And that's okay. Um, but it, it gives it a little bit of that like angsty teen energy. I think and I'm a huge fan of punk rock, right? But I think that's what makes so much of the punk today like sort of the more like sad boy or sad girl punk rock. Because it's not, it's angry, but it's not violent angry. Like 90s punk is violent angry. 90s metal right, is right. violent metal, you know? Like, and it's just, I I think that, um, I'm not saying that that music won't come back around. You never know. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It just, it hits different, right? This movie wears its time on its sleeve a lot more than seven did. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's honestly like an enjoyable aspect of the film, but also, uh, a dated aspect of the film. And I don't know if I've seen a movie or I guess like a critically acclaimed film that has been so heavily dated, uh, as, as this one is, you know, um, I, I feel like we've watched a lot of movies that kind of have this timeless praise. Um, there are fundamentals of the filmmaking that are like, and, and the storytelling that are like, it's just, um, sure, there might be tonal elements of the times. I don't know why the characters are singing. You know, they're still attached to musical, things like that, right? I'm talking about like, I don't know, what you consider classics, right? Um, I just, I think this movie... It's so weird to me that this movie is after seven, though. This is what's this is what's like kind of shocking, um, because I think that seven is more of a timeless movie than this one. Uh, yeah. Well. Well. Okay. So. So I guess I do think some of the. Um, I think. I think some of the sort of effects and, you know, even just the, the aesthetic of the movie in a lot of ways um, is is very 90s. Um, but I would say that I think I think even the um, I think the sort of. Uh, well, I think the attitudes in the movie are are still alive and well and maybe back even even more 
um, nowadays. I mean, I don't, I don't know, um, in 1999, but, but I feel like nowadays, um, there is also a, a sense for, from a lot of people that, um, they're not getting what they're, you know, what they want out of the system. Um, they don't, they don't feel like there's a path for them. And so they do turn towards, you know, extremism or violence of a certain sort. Um, so I think, I think the, the sort of critiques and the, um, you know, the inherent sort of structure of the movie, um, being sort of that violence puts you on a path towards, um, ultimately a world where everything is torn down, um, and, and nothing is, is built. Um, I think that I think that still rings um that still rings true to me. I don't think that's necessarily dated in terms of um of you know who it's who it's sort of speaking to, I guess. Yeah, it, I mean I I think maybe there's an aspect to this film that feels a little more 1984ish, right, where it's like all this bubbling emotion is going to result, you know, in violence that explodes and I, there's a there's an aspect to me when I watch it where I was like, yeah, it did boil over, and yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like, I I don't know, like it, there there's an adolescent quality to this movie almost out of the fact that it's anticipating what is to come historically, right? Um, but it's like I don't I don't know like when they talk a good example would be like the conversation around consumerism or like the, the consumerist mindset, right? He's looking at an Ikea, uh, magazine almost in, in a way. Like I, I love the shot. Like he's on the toilet looking at it, like kind of like almost as if it's like a pornography magazine, right? He kind of hanging it sideways and you're like, what is he looking at? And then it's like in the Ikea magazine. Right. Um, and it's like, Oh, that's cute. You know, like my mindset is like, oh, that's really cute. You know, magazine marketing. Now, like there's something marketing to you in your pocket nonstop. Like it's like we're so far yeah, removed but, to but, that from that, you know. But 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 no, no, no. But it's it's even more so. It's like it's like this was a this was a warning sign. You know, this was like this was this was the 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 road, um, you know, that that we've that we've been walking for for 20 years now, you know, or whatever. It's like. It's like I think I think there's maybe something even more relevant about um you know about the 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 sort of I guess like the the attitude like the movie is trying to say that the attitudes um or the criticisms in some ways are 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 right and and people do feel um disillusioned um but but what they turn to um, is is clearly the path towards um, destruction, not fulfillment, right? You know, so so there's a um, there's an element to to this movie that I think is is again, you know, like you say, oh yeah, you know, it's it's cute that he's you know he's watching or he's you know um, looking at a magazine, and now it's like ten times worse. And it's like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the problem, you know, like that's, that's sort of what, what the movie is, is getting at in some ways. Um, 
and even even though it's a product of its time it it really does um i think i think it does still ring ring true for me at least yeah i just i i don't i i found some of the commentary to be i what what's the right way i'm trying to say this it's like i appreciate it for what it's what it is but because it's so stylistic to the times because it's it doesn't have you know obviously the foresight of the future some of its wisdom seems to me at least minorly tainted by what came right afterwards right and and i and i don't know if that's a fair criticism but you watch some movies where they're where they're spouting wisdom and deep you know either you know philosophical or theological ideas out in to the audience you sit there and and you're like this is like this movie is saying something that rings true endlessly um to me fight club feels like it's saying something from a very <laughs> it just feels like a younger perspective to me i don't i'm not sure what it is and i think it is because maybe it's like yeah like down with the system and all that stuff and and it's like but i i don't i don't think it's um i think well i think the movie is maybe aimed towards a younger audience though does that make sense yeah no it it does make sense i'm just what i'm saying is is like i know the point isn't down with the system right but all it does is it shows like this i I try not to get into spoilers right but the conclusion is the system falls apart the end right that's not how it goes you know (laughs) Like that's not how it goes in the real life. Uh, you don't just get to, uh, you know, call it off at the end, opt out. I guess um, you got to live with it afterwards. There's not the live with it, yeah. Afterwards, you know, and that's why I think for me, it feels like a '90s skate. Let's just blast Rage Against the Machine. Let's just, you know, let's listen to Limp Biscuit. Let's just. You know, who knows if we'll make it through tomorrow. I'm emo. I'm like, hey, I'm all down with that. That's all cool. You know, I'm in, I'm into that. It's it's neat. It's like I enjoy the music of it and things like that. Um, it honestly reminded me of Bleed America, which is a Jimmy World record that I really love. Um, and like the record's great and it's to the times. Um but the tracks that stick out to me are not really about like, I'm not alone because the TV's still on, you know, or whatever that first line is on that, on the song, um, bleed America. But the ones that stick out to me are more of like the personal lingering feelings that are like, I I don't know. Like, like there's the track on that record where he talks about, um, how he didn't have enough time to thank his mom before she passed away. You know, and it's like that is like way more impactful than the opening track. The opening track is like we're mad, like you know, get in the mosh pit or whatever, right? But the 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 track that actually spouts like wisdom and depth is is the one about how he didn't have enough time with his mom, you know. And so I guess what I'm saying is like, 
with this movie, it feels like the mosh pit movie, and I'm not the guy to jump in the mosh pit, you know? Like, I've never jumped in the mosh pit. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that's cool, you know, get it out. Uh, I didn't, I, I, I just pers- personality-wise, I've always been the kind of person that's like, let's go like a, a level deeper. I don't think that this movie is not saying something good. You know, I do think it is saying something good. Um, I just want to go a little bit deeper into this subject. And I think he was on the brink of being, maybe it was the source material, but they're at the brink of, of going that level deeper. Um, maybe there wasn't the reflection of society going through something traumatic together. Like, if you think about it, <sighs> reflecting on 9-11, there's so much to dissect from that, from a nation's emotional standpoint, right? Uniting. And then the deeper side of, like, the corruption that came from uniting. You know, like, people are like, we're all in this together. And then, oh, wait a second. Well, how was that abused? You know, that mindset. Um, now, maybe maybe we should have paid attention to the Matrix. And now we're kind of back into the resurgence of punk and uh, down with the, oh, rage is getting back together, you know, for, for the next election. Or they're going to drop an album again. It's just like, okay, you know. <laughs> like, um, I, 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 I like this movie. I just... I didn't like fully connect with it. Um, And it honestly reminded me of my first viewing experience of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And that is why I brought up Mm. Edgar Wright at the beginning, because when I watched Scott Pilgrim versus the world, there was something adolescent and cringy about that movie to me. They're like, I was like, I get it, you know, like video games and nerds. And I'm a soft spoken, quirky kid that, you know, I just, I was like, I just, eh, I'm just like, I'm, I don't, I don't know about this, you know? And, um, obviously that's a much more lighthearted film. I think that <laughs> maybe as, as abrasive as this is, you, I think Fight Club was maybe the lighthearted, uh, adolescent film of its time, you know? Um, and I just, I don't know. Like I, I couldn't ease into it. I think that Fight Club is going to be better when I watch it again and you got to understand my viewing experience was also watching this movie, knowing the twist, but also trying to piece together the twist. And then right, like, like it's just, it's, it's sort of a strange, um, viewing experience. I, you know, yeah. well, I, I would say, um, for me, fight club has gotten better and better, um, with each viewing, uh, personally, and I and I would say, you know, in some ways, I I take your point that there's there's something maybe mildly juvenile about it. Um, but I, or, I mean, or generally juvenile about it. But I do think I, I I actually think part of that in and same with Scott Pilgrim as well. Part of that is purposeful uh, because it's it's towards the um, you know it. It's towards that audience, right? It's getting the message across to people who maybe would want to to be in the mosh pit, um, and and maybe waking them up a little bit and saying like, uh, it's it's not the best way to to go, you know, like so so I think um, I don't know I 
when talking about this movie and and I wanted to bring this up because I was thinking about this while watching um this, you know, rerun or you know, this rewatch. Um I thought a lot about uh do you know Ted Kaczynski? Mm-mm. The Unabomber. Does that ring any bells? No. Okay, so so the Unabomber was um a he was a very smart man. Um, he was a, you know, he went to like Harvard at 16 or whatever. Like he was, he was basically, you know, a genius. Um, and he was, he was turned towards, um, uh, he was very disillusioned with the way the world was and, uh, with sort of how society was structured. And, you know, he, he was, he's considered an eco-terrorist. He wanted to, um, uh, basically bring society to its knees, essentially. He wanted to, um, he wanted full, you know, de-integration with technology and, you know, all these things. And he wrote this manifesto, um, and, you know, many of the things that he says in the, in the manifesto, um, you, you might look at and say that, that this, is a, you know in some ways a valid sort of political critique um but at the same time you know he mailed uh pipe bombs to to different buildings and you know in an attempt to to blow up uh you know Exxon Mobil executives and stuff you know so he's he's you know very much a um, I would say it's a very similar sort of case. And I think Fight Club is actually very inspired by the story of the Unabomber um, in a lot of ways. It's in, in that, um, you know, someone might might look at his at his manifesto and look at his critiques and maybe even agree with uh, with some of what he says. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that he, um, you know, is a terrorist and, um, you know, is has has done all these terrible things. And so I think I think that is more um, in a lot of ways more relevant to sort of the attitudes of the times where, you know, he he was it was obviously a huge story when when the Unabomber was caught in in 95 or 96 or whatever. Um, but you know at at some at some level i think that touched a sort of national conscience of of being like wow this this guy who was um you know like was he was he crazy or was he a genius you know was was this guy like what what level of of sort of um thought did he did he put into what he was doing um and i think i think in a lot of ways that the the attitude of the Unabomber is sort of exactly what um, what Fight Club is sort of set up to critique in a lot of ways. Um, does that make any sense? Is that sort of uh, r- ringing true to you? Yeah. No. 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 I, I I totally understand that. I I can see. Yeah. I think like Fight Club has a much better construction of an inter- like an internal conflict. Of sort of like a bad villain character, it's it's like really having a lot of fun with an exploration of like a Christopher Nolan Batman villain, right? Um, where yeah, where yeah, it's, in a lot of it's ways, very yeah. much like there's a philosophy against society's norm, and I think 
there's kind of like the Gollum interaction or the Two-Face interaction in there, um, comparing both sides and stuff. I, um, yeah, I, I, I felt like the only thing that was missing from this film, well, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, it seems like it, it's neat that the movie dwells in that combating philosophy, right? Um, instead of it being like, gosh, it's hard not to get into spoilers, uh, when talking about this, you know, instead of, well, let's, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll hold off for now, but I, I do, let's, I guess just talk a little bit about the characters, um, first, and we can talk maybe a little bit about the filmmaking, um, sort of stylistically. I personally, you know, even though some of the, the visual effects are, are dated. I think the movie still looks um, amazing, and it still has this sort of um, very, very strange, um, like otherworldly aesthetic. You know, even even sort of the the cityscape elements. You know, a little bit like like House Seven was, where it was like just a city. You know, and and it could be could be sort of any city. You know, that that was totally here. It was like it was, you know much more subtle than seven, but, um, you know, it has this element of being like any town USA, any city USA, you know? Right. Um, and so there, yeah, I, I love that sort of whole aesthetic and then, um, the sets and, and everything in terms of, of the design of, of everything. It's like, it's, it's grungy, it's disgusting, you know, but it has this, um, this like, I don't know the the foundations are are solid and there's something there's something enchanting about sort of where they are and um you know the basement of the bar and the the disgusting house that they live in and stuff you know there's there's something very um you know thematically obviously it, it's going towards this is this is the you know the underbelly of of society it's not the the clean IKEA apartment it's you know this is the um you know, this is where we make soap in the, in the kitchen and whatnot. You know, it's like if it, I, I do feel like it, it really works, um, visually. I think it, I think it's firing on all cylinders, um, for me. So, yeah, I think some of the visual effects with, um, the, like the whole, Breaking of the fourth wall, explaining cutting of film reels, weird flashings, flickerings, glitching, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is I think aesthetically well handled and never feels super gross. I feel like a lot of '90s movie special effects um, <laughs> around glitching can seem very, very dated. And usually yeah, the special yeah, effects that sure. seem dated are like CGI balls that are rolling down fountains or something, right? Like, like there's that scene where they blow up yeah. the ball and it rolls down. It's like, okay, you know, that kind of looks like Lord of the Rings, right? Where you see like right. a, a clashing yeah. of models and CGI. Um, but still, it, no, nothing egregious, nothing that takes away from the experience. So what? They didn't have ray tracing, I, you know? I think there's one that doesn't work for me, and we'll I'll, we'll save it to to spoilers. But um, yeah, there's one there's one that really I think um, ages sort of the most poorly of them all. Uh, but yeah, we'll 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 get into that later. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 
Um, but so, you know, you're you're sort of starting off with um, the unnamed narrator character, Edward Norton, um, who is, you know, basically a a humdrum worker bee um, in a in an office. And you, you don't you, you don't start off uh, finding out what he does for work, but it, eventually it's revealed that he he surveys um, uh, accident reports to, you know, whether or not. Uh, there should be a recall for a major auto company, um, which I do love that that whole sort of it's it's a minor sort of side plot. But, uh, you know, he's he's going and the, they're like making fun of the the dead bodies <laughs> in the burned car. And stuff, oh, my God. You know? Yeah, I have to say, actually, the opening of this movie to me was a lot more intriguing than the later parts. I don't, I'm not entirely sure why I think the desire for emotional release in the support groups was really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, the despising of horrific, immoral work that's normalized in a corporate setting, like all that stuff to me, I was like, this is, uh, this is punching deep, dude. Like this is, yeah, <laughs> I was like, this is where the, the, the deeper wisdom around masculinities, um, like, emotions not being addressed is is turned up to 11 the problem with corporate american life you know i to me i was like the beginning was hitting harder philosophically than the end for me um and so that could have also influenced my viewing experience but yeah um you know and and you mentioned the support groups um he he finds relief from his insomnia by uh, going to various support groups um, for different cancers that he doesn't have, um, and crying with strangers. And it's there's sort of this, um, yeah, this sense that that he's he's able to let him, you know, let things out because um, he's you know viewed in a certain way in this in this group, and he's not judged or you know he's not expected to to be polite or, or proper or whatever. Um, and there he meets, uh, Marla who is, um, who's played by Hel Helena Bonham, Bonham Carter. Um, and she is also one of these, uh, group tourists. Um, and she, she's, she's an interesting character because the, the first way that you can tell what, you know, sort of what the twist is later on is by paying close attention to, to Marla and, and sort of what she's saying and sort of her reactions to, to certain things that, that the narrator says. Um, but, uh, in any case, she's, uh, uh, she's kind of a weird character because I think she she also has a sense to her that she's, you know, outside the system or, or, you know, rebellious in a, in a certain way. Um, but not, not particularly destructively. She just kind of, um, exists outside of, of the, the sort of corporate world. Um, you know, and, and in a lot of senses, I don't know that she gets the, the best, um, characterization. And I, I do feel like maybe that's somewhere that, that, um, could have been maybe thought a little bit th more thoroughly, I guess. Um, to me, she has like the, the least sort of character of anyone, um, in the film, you know, maybe even including some of the sort of henchmen. Um, 
Yeah, it's, in, it's uh, interesting. I feel like she's a little underutilized, especially with her relationship with Ed Norton's character. I was reflecting on um, aspects of, you know, like romance and tension that we saw in like 1984, um, where like relationship with another disillusioned rom- kind of romantic individual uh, was was an act of rebellion, right? And I, I do think that um, there's an edge to like re- like a relationship like that that kind of um, sparks the focus into the relationship instead of you know the societal anger. You know, it takes it takes the edge off a little bit, I guess, is what is <laughs> what I'm trying to say, right? Um, and I think 1984 explores that um, in a in a much more meaningful way than uh, Marla's character is explored in, in Fight Club. And that's not the focus. I just was kind of like, it would have been interesting if like Marla played into kind of maybe like a yin and yang battle of philosophy. You know, I, that's kind of where I expected it to go at first. And then I realized what you're saying where she is actually a device to reveal um, some of the twist kind of yeah, before yeah. it comes about and you can see Definitely. that. And I was like, for a while I was like, is Marla part of the twist? Like, is there some sort of like uh conflict or something that's happening with that? Um, yeah, her character is interesting. I don't dislike her. I think she's, um, she's well acted. She's kind of captivating yeah. on screen. She's a little like, actress quirky like i'm gonna say some crazy lines and stuff and boom 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 you know i'm angsty and i would say brad pitt's character has most of that but it's interesting that there are two of those characters at at times you know where it's like brad pitt's character stands out a lot as being like sort of the joker character uh and i guess maybe she's for there's moments where she's the harley quinn and there can only be, I don't know, to me, I'm like, there can only be, like, one Joker on screen, you know? It's, I, I don't know, it's... Yeah, so, yeah, sort of. I mean, to be fair, they don't share a lot of screen time together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, so I, I would say Marla maybe is is one of the... I don't think she's a, she's a weak character, necessarily, but I don't think she's quite as strong as sort of that relationship uh, with with the narrator and, and Tyler Durden. Um, speaking of, of which, you know, um, I think Durden is the, probably the most talked about character of, of the movie. And in some ways, um, you know, like you said, he's, he's the sort of Joker. Um, and yeah, he, he, he definitely does embody that, um, you know, Christopher Nolan villain archetype, uh, that we all sort of know and love. Um, but in a lot of ways he's, um, uh, well, it's, yeah, it's hard to, hard to say without spoilers, I guess, but, um, yeah, he, he, he has a lot of this sort of uh, characteristics that the narrator is trying to embody, you know, through his rebellious spirit. He, um, you know, there's a sense that, that the narrator feels like he, he wants to become Tyler 
and throughout the film, you know, he he gets jealous of of other characters who are sort of winning favor with with Tyler, and and there's a there's a sense that, um, you know, this this sort of back and forth, uh, with the narrator and Tyler is is very much a you know it's almost like a sort of a brother situation, yeah, you know, where he he looks up to to Tyler in a strange and maybe sometimes very uncomfortable way, um, where he you know he appreciates him but at the same time he is very scared about what he's he's actually doing um you know and there's i feel like there's this um there's a tipping point at a certain part of the movie where um the narrator becomes actively against what tyler wants right um, right and and so there's there's a there's part of it you know again with the Unabomber okay uh, the Unabomber's brother is is the one who turns him in okay mm. so so you know there is that sense of of you know he, the narrator looks up to him and and has this um, sort of emotional relationship between you, you know wanting to. Um, wanting to impress Tyler, wanting to sort of be in his favor um, and, you know, struck by the sort of charisma of him, but also being very scared of what he really is doing and what he, he wants. Right. Um, and so, so Tyler is, I think he's sort of the driving force that puts in a lot of motion what, what the film is really about. Um regarding sort of extremism and you know revolutionary ideas um finding purpose within you know a sort of brotherhood who are all um you know aimed against a system people who are sort of chaotic and and maybe disillusioned before but uh didn't really have a purpose and then being funneled towards a certain sort of figurehead um you know, I I think I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of interesting aspects to to Tyler's character, um, yeah that that I think I think are all sort of um, explored within this lens of him being sort of this uh, revolutionary figurehead um, and and maybe one that is kind of accidental uh, in a sense. Yeah, I think the the best interaction that Tyler has is when they go to do the, the human sacrifice, as he says at that, mm. at the Seven Eleven store, because there's a really convincing moment where he pulls the cashier out into the back corner, puts a gun to the back of his head and says, tell me your life story before you die. Right. Cause I'm going to blow your brains out. And you know, the narrator standing there like, I wanted to stop him. Like, this is crazy. What are you doing? And the the Seven Eleven guy's crying, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I was going to do this, and I was going to do this. And he's like, tell me, what did you really want to do with your life? Because you're not going to do it, you know? And he's like, I want to be a veterinarian. And then Tyler's like, so you're going to be a veterinarian, and and if you're not, I'm going to blow your brains out because, <laughs> you know, it's what you wanted. Yeah. And so go do it. And so the kid like runs off into the darkness and Tyler's like, see, I just saved that kid's life. 
uh, that was the reason. Like, it's very like like kind of Pulp Fiction-ish or something where it's like such an extreme situation, but it resonates with you in a way that's like, oh my goodness, like, what do I really want? You know? Um, right. And that's yeah. that's kind of the positive edge of it. Um, you know, just personally, like, I, I think what this movie does is it convinces you why people would buy into this and then right, how it right, becomes exactly. out of hand very quickly uh, because it is a liberating feeling. Cameron, I know you can speak from personal experience, but I had a moment in my career uh, where I didn't have a job lined up. I was absolutely miserable at my job. And I was like, I think my time is up, but I have nothing next. Like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. And I kind of had a moment where I was like, there's a lot of people around me who are like, I need to make money. I need to be taken care of. I need to do all these things because I don't want to lose my job. And I actually had a mentor tell me, if you don't want to be there, just leave. Like, just F it, you know? And yeah. I was like, can I do that? You know, like, can I actually <laughs> do that? You know? Right, right. Uh, the moment I resigned, luckily, very, like, I would say very positively. You know, I, I'm blessed to be able to say I left on good terms. Um, it was like, it was, it was, it was like, you know, Tyler Durnham had had set me free. You know, I was like, I could do anything, right? Um, and sure enough, like I landed a much better job within a week. It's pretty ridiculous how quickly it came together, and that's actually what I wanted. You know, um, I'm not saying life always does that for you, but it's an eccentric feeling. You know, it's it's something that electrifies you and makes um, makes you kind of feel untouchable you know um and it gives you it gives you it it does like it's like some kind of strange enlightenment right um i think this movie had an effect on people around that rebellious spirit right um even though <laughs> that's not the the lasting point of it i think that sentiment um is what the world was feeling at the time you know um, and everyone has different extremes of it, but to watch, you know, Woodstock 99 next to this movie and to hear the testimonies of people that were there when the, all that stuff, the speakers were being ripped off the stands, people were like, it was terrible, but that was like, I was alive, you know, for the first time mm -hmm. in my life, I was like, <laughs> it was, it didn't matter anymore. Like we're going to do this thing, you know, like we're doing it and we're doing something uh, that is going to be a memory we never forget. And now I'm on a documentary talking about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, that, that kind of feeling. Uh, I think the good thing about Fight Club is like, that's dangerous. <laughs> that is a dangerous uh, liberation. That is not a liberation to be taken lightly. Um, yeah. It just so often, you know, that can result in, a, a negative explosion, right? <laughs> um, right. And it, well, and I think, I think for, I think in a lot of ways, you know, the movie is sort of geared towards a male audience, I think. Oh yeah, um, definitely. And, and, and I think what it's sort of trying to pick at is that a lot of times 
you know, when you're, when you're sort of lost, um, and you have no goal, you have no purpose, um, for, you know, for a lot of men, especially young men, um, they will turn to something that can give them fulfillment. And sometimes what that thing is, is not good, (laughs) you know, and sometimes, sometimes what they, what, you know, the, th- the purpose that they have in mind is um, geared towards destruction, you know. And so so in, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like this is an absolute sort of warning towards um, young men to be to, in, in, a, in some ways to say, yeah, we know that um, buying things and being a consumer and going to your job and, um, you know, doing the same thing day in and day out is not fulfilling for you, but find something that, that will fulfill you. Don't just try to, to destroy things. Um, you know, cause that's ultimately going to lead to, to destruction. Find something that will give you a meaning and a purpose that isn't, um, that is, is building towards something that isn't sort of tearing things down. Um, and, yeah, and again, I think that's sort of more relevant now than maybe it was in in '99. You know, sure, I mean, yeah. It, I think that messaging is there. It's not a home run messaging because of the film's conclusion. Um, I do think that where the movie goes, yeah, like it's bad, but there's like comedic lines at the end of the movie that make it very like. And and maybe that's studio influence too, right? But it's like, well, uh, Marla, you met me at a weird time in my life, and then everybody knows that um, that awesome song that plays from the Pixies, right? Where's my mind at the end of the of the movie? It's just like, okay, you know, <laughs> like like it's like it feels very like this is this is nineties movie and you're watching cartoon network or whatever <laughs> you know like it's kind of all right that's a weird way to close kind of some deep ideas you know um i think the clarity of the messaging is a little murky i i do think it's there though um i do agree with you cameron i'm not saying that it's not um e- easily not easily with a little bit of thought, you can understand what is being said uh, in this movie. You know, a little bit of film dissection. I think this this film has um, video essay written all over it, right? But if I see a video essay about this movie, like, does it impress me that much? Not really. Like, <laughs> like I was like, wow, I'm glad you got that out of this film. I think what interests me more with this movie is a reflection about pre nine 11 uh, masculinity's struggle in the nineties versus uh, the current state. Um, right. And just there's, there's a, there's a ton in this movie that, that goes beyond uh, its own scope. And maybe that's what makes it such a great film. Right. Um, I know I've been hard on this movie uh, from our review. I don't dislike it. Again, I just think I had a Scott Pilgrim versus the world viewing. My second viewing of Scott Pilgrim was much, much better. The first viewing, I was cringing a lot. Uh, I was like, I don't know why this movie is just irking me. 
in some weird way. And to watch it a second time, I was like, this is actually pretty fun. Like, who doesn't love, you know, the band battles? Uh, that's pretty cool in that movie. My first viewing, I was like, why are they talking in such a weird, like, uh, <laughs> awkward, quirky way? I just was like, ugh, yuck. I can't take yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think this movie has the angst in the 90s uh, overload. And maybe I'll get past that on a second viewing. Um, I think it's also hard to follow up seven, you know, cause we're talking about Fincher, right? Well, that is what I said was I, I feel bad because seven personally, seven is still my favorite of Fincher's movie. So it's, it, it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to, to, to beat that in some ways. Um, and so, yeah, but, um, but you know, keep, keep that, keep that sort of in the back of your of your head seven is a is a high is a high watermark you know so you know don't be don't be uh um you know don't be turned off by the rest of his his films from that Um, it's interesting because i i was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago and they were like have you ever um they were talking about video games they were like have you ever played a game that like ruin the next few games afterwards. That was like one mm. of the audience write-ins, right? And as soon as I saw Seven, I was like, no, <laughs> no. I was like, that was like a perfect movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's for everyone. It's pretty dark, but like, dang, like just front to back, you blink your eyes and it's gone and it's great. Um, and yeah, this this movie kind of goes off the rails at different points. Um, it's to me, yes, there's messaging in this movie, but it's kind of scatterbrained and it does this thing where you can just take a scene like, uh, the human sacrifice 7-Eleven gun in the alleyway and do a whole episode about that. But then like 20 minutes earlier, you know, Ed, Edward Norton is talking about, oh, this is how film is spliced together. And every time you see this little symbol in the corner, uh, there's that's a flash of when film is being edited and I'm talking directly to the camera and breaking the fourth wall. And this is just, I don't know why I'm telling you about this character that's in my, you know, it's, 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 it's just, it's, I, 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 I don't know. Like there, there were things that were going all over the place. And I, I think the viewing experience, experience the first time also trying to piece together the spoilers for me, I was like, I think this one deserves a second viewing just like Scott Pilgrim won me over the second time. Cause it was like, I consumed it and I was able to like kind of retain it. And then watching it the second time, it's like, now I can appreciate it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to get into spoilers? It's been impossible to, we should have spoiled this movie from the start. I honestly, <laughs> I don't know how it, I feel like this episode has suffered because we can't talk about what we're supposed to talk about. So, I would say this movie would be beneficial for you to watch if you do not know the spoilers. Uh, if you sa- if it's in- if it sounds interesting, if you want to kind of travel back in time, uh, I think Cameron and I both recommend this film. Cameron probably stronger than me. I'm kind of like eh, <laughs> I don't know. I I like it. You should see it. I I don't know. I'm not like jumping at the seams about it. Um, but yeah, you've been warned. The spoilers are commencing. Cameron, what do you want to talk about? 
Well, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest sort of twist, obviously, is is that he, um, Tyler Durden, is a projection of of sort of uh, the narrator's mind, um, and he isn't real uh, the the whole time. Um, which I think I think is is very well done in terms of sort of its structure um, and how it's how it's laid out. Um, I was looking for moments of where it it sort of breaks, um, and I don't. I think there's only one that messes up with the continuity, which is impressive. That's pretty good. Um, the one I don't know if you you notice this, but um, Bob talks about. Um, he talks about Tyler Durden as the founder of, um, of Fight Club. Um, before he goes to the to the first meeting, um, or you know he's he's been going to the meetings, you know, subsequently, uh, right? And um, after he after that, um, Tyler has his whole speech. I think that's the first time he said he talks about um, the rules and he, you know, runs them down. Um, and so obviously, you know, that's that's a scene where uh, Edward Norton is is Tyler at one point, um, to, you know, giving the giving the speech or this the whole you know speech about the rules and whatnot. Um, but it doesn't apparently it doesn't occur to Bob that um, he was he just had a conversation about. Tyler as the as the leader, right? Um, do you remember this this conversation? You don't. Know no, about? no, I don't. I kind of, yeah, I don't. I don't remember what you're talking about. I think the thing that sort of made it weird to me was the fighting between, or or like the physical interaction between um, Tyler and the narrator. I I like some of the fighting because it's like. The this towards the end when the reveal happens, there's like a strange scene where the guy's like beating himself like Edward Norton's beating himself up in the parking lot. And I'm like, yeah. I don't I don't really understand <laughs> like like this is a little weird, right? But they're they're fighting in the parking garage and there's a great scene where Edward Norton's throwing himself down the stairs or he's smashing himself into glass and broken things, right? Um, and, and also I would say that his interaction with his boss, when he's beating himself up with his boss, like that is a really cool moment where you're like, yeah, wait a second. Why is he so good at doing this? You know why? Well, yeah. And it puts it into new perspective. And he says he, he has a line that says this reminded me of my first time, uh, my first fight with, with Tyler. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so I think that scene is neat. The security cam footage of him like running into car mirrors or falling down stairs, it's like, okay, that guy that guy's struggling with his mind. There are other scenes where he's like punching the air and then punching himself in the face and I'm like, okay, like I don't know. I mean, uh that's a little funky, but I mostly enjoyed the way that it's explained. I loved the ending with the gun. Uh that's pretty cool like moment where he's like if you're holding the gun then i'm holding the gun right like that's a pretty uh yeah, yeah. that's a fun like kind of inception moment um overall i bought it i thought it was i thought it was neat it was interesting to see um tyler kind of come to form uh how 
he talks about, I don't know if we were squatting here at this old house and, but no, like, of course, like they are, they are, he is there by himself, like a crazy person. Um, yeah, it's, it, it comes all together. I thought that Marla's character was going to be sort of the opposite, like good side of his brain versus the bad side. And that fell apart pretty quickly as Marla became the, the character to identify, right. Uh, who's like your Tyler, what are you talking about? You know, like she yeah. has those reactions. Um, it's neat. It's cool. It's very, I, I felt like it was a really cool, like Joker villain sort of twist. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that some of Brad Pitt's charm fell away when it's like, Oh, it's just a character in his head. And I know that shouldn't matter, but it did kind of break it for me early on where I was like, this guy like would be so much cooler if I thought he was real, you know? Um, and it didn't make the performance not fun. It just made it a little more, I don't know, just not as enjoyable for me. So I do think spoiler, the spoilers did ruin aspects of this movie. Um, oh, you mean because you knew yeah, that he wasn't real? Yeah, because I knew he wasn't real. Like from his first introduction, his quirkiness is just cartoonish right. instead of uh, captivating. That's probably the best way of putting it. So, um, and and then the ending, as we were talking about all the different themes, like the movie ends with kind of a strange, like he blows out Tyler's brains, but he doesn't blow out his own brains. Like instead he like shoots his jaw or something. I, I don't know. Like he's obviously going to die. He commits suicide to kill Tyler, but he's not dead. But Tyler's dead. No, well, I think I think it was more of a symbolic uh, killing of of Tyler uh, in that way. And he he I don't know that he does die necessarily. I think he does. I mean, I think he he you know blows his cheek out, but it's it's more of a a botched suicide attempt, kind of like Marla actually. You know, if you think about it, Marla could be inside of his brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, he so he he kills Tyler. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, I think in some ways the the sort of step of shooting himself is is sort of what he needs to to release himself from, um, you know, Tyler sort of taking control over him. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's more of a. It, you know, physically, obviously, he's a projection in his mind. So it he uh, doesn't necessarily need to to kill himself to kill Tyler. But um, you know the the step that taking the step of of actually shooting yourself in the face, um, you know, is kind of what symbolically allows him to to sort of gain control again of his own of his own mind. Um, so. And then I don't, I don't know why I was thinking about fear as the mind killer. Just, uh, just thinking about Dune. Sometimes I just doze <laughs> off and think about Dune. I'm not sure why. <laughs> but uh, um, and then the the ending ending, um, which I think you think is probably the most controversial bit of the movie, right? Um, is uh, when is when the when 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 everything explodes. Um, yeah, it feels very um, music video esque at the end. I'm not sure, like, yeah, it's definitely iconic, right, with Where's My Mind playing, and 
it's a little weird that like I just think some of the I don't, I don't know like some of the conflict with him fighting with Tyler is like oh I've overcome it. Also, I just blew out the side of my jaw with a failed suicide, and now everybody's looking at him. And it's kind of comedic. It's very weird. They're like, "Oh, how is mm-hmm. he still alive?" You know, like what just happened, bro? You see that guy's face? It's just like, okay, you know, this is you know a little awkward. And then he's talking with Mary, which is or Marla, which is kind of nice. And then like the, everything explodes, and he's like, "Well, Marla, you met me at a very weird time." <laughs> It's like <laughs> you want to know how I got these scars? You know, <laughs> I, I was like, okay, like, what is happening right now? Like, what is the? Is this the end? You know, and then the credits roll, and I was like, okay, you know, that's fine. It just it feels a little like, um, it just feels nineties, like when Neo like all of a sudden flies around like Superman. And then, like the mu- the credits roll, the music is just like, okay, <laughs> all right, wow, you know, like I didn't, uh, okay, I guess that's a thing, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sh- like I don't know how much more you needed to stick around, um, but it doesn't feel like there's a moral, like there there is a moral weight on that, but there's no like you as the audience don't witness any repercussion, and maybe. This is my age showing, right? Post 9-11 is apocalyptic obsession, you know? Um, the society has fallen apart, you know? The Walking Dead, the 2010s with uh, just bleak, depressing uh, apocalypse movies falling across. Like, that's what, you know, you and I, Cameron, watched when we were in high school, right? Our things were like, what would you do if you have three bullets and a gallon of milk and there's nothing yeah. left, you know, like, uh, that's, that, that's kind of the mindset that our generation was, um, entertained by. It's weird that this movie doesn't have, um, kind of the post mortem. I think that's what makes the matrix really fascinating is that somehow they're able to capture the apocalyptic future and like the conversation around the system being broken um, and kind of like the ragtag survivors like barely making it by like in the in the bunkers and things like that. Um, I think there's like a historical wisdom or something about the matrix that isn't here in this movie um this it could just i i think it really just is an an age difference thing i'm not saying that i'm more wise than this movie when it was released i'm just saying it's kind of interesting to look at it in retrospective right and and think like wow like this this movie ends in a way that people were like wow that was amazing you know like 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 they're on the brink of it i'm watching the ending and i was like i'm not gonna lie cameron there was a feeling of like yeah you guys blew it up you know (laughs) (laughs) like nice job 90s you know that was great yeah right and uh i was like well i guess i'm gonna watch walking dead now or something right um (laughs) just with everything that happened with covid and all that you know it's it's 
to me, insightful and and kind of interesting to reflect on. Um, yeah, it's it's. I guess it's just a, a different time. And even even thinking back on our time watching Saving Private Ryan and stuff, like how those those men were like in the muck, and there's just like a a bravery that's shown and. I don't, I've been thinking a lot about generations lately, Cameron. So I, I think maybe this movie mm. definitely was. Um, oh, I think this was this was a Gen X movie. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, I just. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's part partly coming from a place of gratitude, like thinking about how my parents have done so much of me for me, and how much my grandparents had to fight. I've been thinking about my um, my grandpa Knowlton who was he worked for PG&E for like 40 years or something. Mm-hmm. This dude, like just hardworking blue collar guy, like set up my that side of the family for like such huge success by just being a normal, working, honest, tough dude. Um, he didn't say much about his feelings. He was just working. He was just like, you know, in that to like my dad being like that 80s dream kid or whatever. Um, putting in the work for a suburban lifestyle, right? I don't know. It's just to watch a movie that feels very focused on its time period. You can't blame it. You can't blame it. You know, I'm just, I feel like I've been a little more reflective in the moment. And this is just, I think it's just a subjective thing. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I. I. I definitely get that. Um, I'm. I'm trying to do my best to explain why I didn't feel like running outside and and just being like, "Wow, Fight Club," you know? Because I didn't feel that way when this movie yeah. ended. Right. Um, the first thing I thought of is like, man, I wonder how many kids tried to start fight clubs after watching this movie. Oh, we're gonna punch there were each other. there were some copycats. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's just that's just not great. You know, I'm glad that <laughs> I, I'm sure even uh Fincher was like, that's not the point, but okay, you know. Yeah, no, yeah. hundred um, percent. I think Fincher is obviously a smart guy, you know, seeing just seeing his some of the movies I've seen by him, he's very interested in the human mind and the human like human philosophy right he's very he's very into that um why do people do what they do and why why do they feel justified in what they're doing too that's a great a great like it's very clinical i'm not entirely sure why i think that's maybe why he leans into (laughs) true crime in some regard um he he is he is clinical um in how he looks at people and how people are sort of, um, yeah, the people's motivations. But I, I think that is kind of what makes him, um, stand out to me as being sort of, well, it, it, you can tell, like, he's very intentional about, about everybody that, that he's sort of, um, you know, that his characters and sort of the way that, that he films and everything feels very, um, very thought out and meticulous. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's something to that, that um, I think is really interesting. And, and I, and you're right that he, all of his movies are about um, 
uh, in some ways like corruption or uh, sort of the the corrosion of uh, people's minds and the way that they um, yeah, like the way that they justify certain things. Um, like uh, you didn't you didn't watch any of House of Cards, right? No, no. Okay, well, House of Cards. It was kind of spearheaded by him. He didn't he didn't direct the whole thing, but um, you know, it, it's about sort of a a very um like clinically corrupt politician. Um, and he he's basically the the politician is taking you through what he what his thought process is to gain more and more power and how he can do that and how he can screw over people um in order to to you know to to win basically right um, right and so so that is something that i think is is really evident in sort of the themes of of all of fincher's projects um and yeah i i i think what's kind of neat is that there's a what com- like it, the clinical philosophy around characters is never represented in a way of like evil corruption with no reason. Right, it, it comes right. across very like humane. Um, I think the narrator in this movie is very like some. You're somewhat sympathetic to him, um, and even sympathetic to the characters that are causing the most damage. Um, you watch a movie from Kubrick and his stance on humanity is default evil default, like failure. You know, uh, there is no explanation. They are just entire, entire, like entirely corrupted with, uh, like, like obvious flaws and quirky characters, but they're just, there's just baseline, like bad, like people are just baseline bad. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There, Which I think, there, to be fair, I think I think Fincher also has this idea that that most people, given what they, um, you know, given the opportunity, will turn towards something not so good, um, and may, and maybe even be influenced by certain you know outside factors. Yes, um, yeah, I, like I but, see, but that. I I agree, I agree that he is much more sort of human with the way that he thinks about uh, people and why they why they do what they do. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange because as an audience member, you're kind of, Fincher kind of presents it in a way where he's like, can you can you blame them for being at this result because you know everything that they're thinking, you know? And as an audience member, you're kind of like it's wrong, but I see how they got there, you know? Um, yeah. And I don't know. That's I I don't know if that's true with his with his, uh, we're obviously going to watch more of his films, but from what I remember in Gone Girl, I don't know if that is as strong as it is in Seven and Fight Club. It seems a little more, um, yeah, s- probably stuck I'm to, to its source material. Her, but yeah, her character. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're uh, somewhat right about that, but I I think it might be the the book um, being the being the issue there i mean it's been a long Um, time since i've seen the movie so yeah well i was gonna say you know with with what we're gonna watch next week um panic room i think i think you know the whole conversation in a lot of ways is about um people in sort of really 
uh, not so great situations um, and what they what they do to get themselves in there and then even more so what they do to to get out. Um, and I yeah, so that that'll be interesting. I think I maybe you might like Panic Room more than Fight Club. I don't know. I might like like Panic Room more than Fight Club. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I, I guess, I guess we'll see. So that's, that's what we'll do next week. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely, I can't wait to get to Zodiac. I think, um, I think we're going to have a really great discussion about, about Zodiac. Glenn um, is like shaking to watch the movie <laughs> with me. He's very excited. Yeah, so that, that's after, that's after Panic Room, um, so into Glenn weeks. was like, I was like, so is it Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance? And he was like, well, to be honest, I thought that um, who who is that guy? The uh, the other guy in it, uh, Mark Ruffalo. He's like Jake Mark Jumbo. Ruffalo. He's like Mark Ruffalo. Insane performance in Zodiac. Yeah, he was like, I, he was like I to me, agree. he's yeah. the standout compared to compared to Robert Downey Jr. I was like, wow. That's good. That's sh- I don't know why. That's just shocking because I I don't know really what to expect with this film. So, um, yeah. Well, ex- I'm excited to get to that, but we'll watch Panic Room next week. Cameron, recommendations. What do you think? Like, I don't know where I feel about recommending this movie. Um, I don't think I'm in a place where I really am. Like, you got to jump and go see it. I'm like, if you're curious, go ahead. Um, I don't yeah, know why. I- I I I like this movie. I think it's worth seeing, especially because it is so kind of ubiquitous in the culture. What's weird is I don't think it did super well at at the box office. Um, I know it kind of had like a resurgence after a little while because there was sort of word of mouth about it. And I I I was reading that there was a a terrible. Uh, marketing campaign because the studio was like, we don't know what to do with this movie. <laughs> this this movie doesn't make any sense to us. Um, how do we market it? And so they they like focus the marketing around the fighting, which is like barely <laughs> what the movie is about, you know, um, like basically not at all. And so there's like UFC ads of <laughs> of like you know fight, cl- which is like totally just the wrong audience. But um, so yeah, so the the you know. I don't think it did particularly well, uh, but now and sort of within the the zeitgeist of the popular culture, like it is, it's one of those movies. You know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah. it is, it is a keystone movie, and so many people have seen it. So many people have sort of absorbed it into their pop culture knowledge that I I think it's worth seeing, and I think um, you know even if you don't necessarily connect to it right away i think um you know i think there's something to be said about it and and i would say well yeah i i i think a lot of people maybe sort of misunderstand or misrepresent kind of the the themes of the movie in in some ways um and so i i do think there's um I, I think I think some of the there's the movie's still controversial, so there's still a conversation happening about it, and and it has a certain lasting effect. Um, so I I I um I think people should see it and draw their own conclusions about it. I think it's a kind of a left ambiguous 
in some ways for a reason. And I, I do think, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I get, I get what you're, what you said, you know, what you said about sort of, um, some of it doesn't, doesn't land, um, on both feet, but I do think, I think there is a lot, uh, that it's, it's trying to say. And I think sort of the volume of correct things to maybe, um, things that don't, don't quite land, um, I think there's much more correct things in the movie than um, things that that don't stick the landing. So, yeah, I wanted to say something and I decided not to <laughs> right there because it was stupid. I, <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think that wraps it up, Cameron. Um, so we're doing Panic Room next week. I think, yeah, we post every Tuesday. If you enjoy the show, we appreciate you guys. Um, and thank you for supporting it and listening to it and getting this far. Cameron, thank you for doing the weekly programming as well. And we will catch you then. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.